You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. back in business baby this is really weird super weird to be back into it season four of digital state of mind this is super exciting it's been a while i actually didn't realize how long it had been until i was taking notes for this episode and i was like wait what has even happened since i recorded the last episode of season three and that one released on june 20th so almost yeah it's been almost six months which a lot has happened since then, and uh, it's it's been a whirlwind. A lot has happened, and I'm really excited to get back into it. We actually didn't really plan on this season just, well, I actually haven't even said it yet, but if you follow me on Instagram, which is probably how you're finding this podcast, I uh, typically have guests on the podcast, and you know, this season is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be more of an unplugged season where it's just me and I'm getting super personal, talking about some topics that I haven't talked about in depth and uh, doing some new formats. We have some, you know, anonymous forms that people are going to be kind of submitting things to and I'm going to be talking about. And then I've also really asked for a lot of input on this season from my Instagram followers and That's been really cool to see what everyone's interested in hearing about. So I've catered a lot of the episodes around that, and I'm really, really excited. I think this one's going to be a super helpful episode, and we're going to dive into some hot takes and some personal things and all that jazz. So it's going to be fun. So I wanted to talk a little bit about why I decided to do an unplugged season Um, because, you know, after typically, obviously we release seasons of the podcast. Some people do seasons. A lot of podcasts just release an episode every week or multiple episodes every week and just kind of have it rolling ongoing. And for us, it was a lot easier with having guests on and everything to just plan out the season and have it mostly finished before we actually released that season. So whenever we were launching season three, typically we would already kind of be in the process of planning the next season, mapping it out, getting everyone's schedules together. And I just kind of got this, continued to get this feeling of like, Well, let me preface this by saying that something I've learned in business that took me a while to learn is that my, I have to rely on my body and my intuition and if I'm really feeling something because there's been many times where I've been, I've had an idea for something and I'm like, yeah, let's do that, you know, next year or let's do that next quarter or whatever. And then that time comes along and I'm like, I'm actually not really feeling this anymore. 
And in those moments, it can feel really scary because for me, I have a team and a lot of prep goes into everything that we do in business. So if somebody's already started prepping for something or if I've already kind of put it out into the universe by saying this is what's going to happen, it can be really hard to backtrack on that and be like, actually, I'm not feeling this anymore. So you know, for this season, I kept getting that feeling of like, ah, let's just wait or, you know, okay, we've mapped out these guests, but something just feels off to me. And this kind of also came along with some just really weird feelings about the online space that I've had over the past few months, I would say since maybe like August or September. Um, You know what? I just got a, a text from my husband, but you can probably hear that in the background. I'm not even going to edit it out because that's this is unplugged right (laughs) um if teddy starts barking i will edit that out to save you all severe shock trauma anyways um what was i saying yeah i just kept having that oh, oh oh i was talking about the online space this is getting really unplugged. You're, you're going to hear my thought process in real time <laughs> throughout some of these episodes. Um, but I've had some weird feelings about the online space since I would say like August, September of just things shifting and things feeling kind of weird. And I think that as as the past couple of months have come, I've started to realize that a lot of other business owners are feeling that same way and feeling kind of disconnected and just feeling like things in the online space are shifting. And that's one of the topics I'm going to be talking about during this season. And you may be feeling that too, if you're already an established business owner. But with that being said, I was kind of getting that feeling of like, I'm feeling very weirdly disconnected from business and kind of from my audience and I'm feeling a need to kind of take things back to the way they were before where I was just so involved with everything and I was doing everything myself not that you should do everything yourself I'm the the queen of talking about outsourcing for god's sake but becoming more involved and just kind of stripping things back. And I think that that's one of the things that we're seeing in the online space is that people are wanting a connection with people. You know, aesthetics are great. Branding is great. Photo shoots are great. uh, Building an amazing brand. It's all fantastic and it's all an essential part of business. But I'm really seeing that I think people are just kind of getting a content overwhelm and they're really drawn to people who are just super raw and unplugged. And that's always been the case, but I'm seeing that come back in full force and even stronger than it ever has been in the online space. So I really wanted to lean into that and listen to my body and my mind and kind of follow my gut in saying, you know what, let's not do guests this season. Let's do just Jess. We should have, that's the name of this season is just Jess. Um, And let's just strip things back, be more unplugged. I also wanted to talk about more personal topics um, and, you know, personal topics that relate to business and kind of how they affect me in my own life. Like there's an episode that I've already recorded about um, owning a business and kind of managing things while also struggling with ADHD. So I wanted to talk more about topics like that and have, you know, everyone that's listening be more involved. So here we are. That's what we're doing. I'm really excited for this season. I hope that all of you love it. I have really loved this process and it's felt very refreshing and just 
just more easygoing and it's I've definitely felt more connected to this and I feel like I'm able to kind of open up a lot more so that's what you're in for um okay so I'm gonna start talking about some life updates because like I said a lot has happened since the last episode which was on released on June 20th So first things first, I'm going to talk about vacations that have happened and kind of big things that have happened each month since the last podcast episode. Something big has happened every single month. So let's dive into those and then some of them I'm going to go a little bit further into. So first things first, if you listen to the last episode of season three, you heard that I was going to be going to VidCon as a speaker at the end of June. And I did. My husband went with me. We kind of made a short trip out of it. We went to LA. We went to Malibu. Um, I'm really bad at remembering city names, so can't remember exactly where else we went to, but we went to some comedy shows. We went to the Kill Tony comedy show, if anyone is familiar with that, which was really fun. And we just kind of bebopped around. Um, And it was really fun. Wait, no, I'm losing my mind. (laughs) I was, (laughs) we did not go to the Kill Tony comedy show in California. That was in Austin, Texas, which I'll get to. See, so much has happened. I can't even keep it straight. Okay, but we did go to comedy shows in California. Um, And uh, yeah, so I spoke at VidCon. (sighs) That was crazy. Whenever we first got to VidCon, I've never been to VidCon before. I talked in the last episode about how I always watched like all my favorite YouTubers going to VidCon. So to be there was really a surreal experience and I almost cried. I almost want to cry talking about it again because it's just, I think I don't realize sometimes how big of a compliment accomplishments certain things are and I'm I'm really proud of myself for getting to the point where that's something that I've been able to say that I've done. That's like a, a bucket list type thing for me. So whenever we first got there, it was super crowded already. And I recognized some other TikTokers. I didn't talk to any other anyone that I recognized because I was like, oh my God, this is chaotic. Um, but it was also really funny because it made me feel very old because I didn't know most of the people that were there. I know Charlie D'Amelio was there on the same day that I was speaking, but I didn't see her. I didn't go to her show or anything. Um, So whenever we first got there, super busy. We finally got inside. I showed up so early because I was like, this is probably going to be chaos. Got inside, got my speaker badge, which made me feel really um, professional. And we walked to where the room was that I was going to be speaking in. And as soon as I saw the room, I was like, nope, I can't even look at it. I'm like immediately sweating and I'm going to throw up. (laughs) And there was another event going on in there before my panel was going up. And it was, I can't remember exactly who the people were, but it was these girls that did like a red TikTok rendition of this play, Bridgerton. I think that was what it was, the music, Bridgerton musical or something like that. Um, but there were probably like 20, 30 people in the room. And I mean, it was like fairly empty. So I was like, oh, okay, well, there may be like no one in here whenever, <laughs> whenever I speak, which will be really funny. Um, But then, so I went outside after that panel and kind of met with the other speakers on the panel and, you know, the team members at Kajabi, which is who I was speaking for. 
And by the, like we were backstage, by the time that we went on stage, the entire room was packed. People were like standing up against the walls because it was so packed. And I was like, oh shit, this is like, (laughs) this is terrifying now. So I just really, I, I, and I kept asking the other panelists, I was like, um, are you guys nervous? And they were like, no, not really. And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm so nervous. So I was like, great. I'm the only person here who is like freaking out right now. Um, so I had to remind myself to breathe. A lot of times whenever I get nervous, I just keep talking and I don't breathe. And then I get out of breath and then I start sweating and then my face gets red. It's just very, very easy to tell whenever I'm panicking. Um, but we went up on stage and I just really tried to relax and there were also lights on us. So it kind of prevented me from like fully being able to see the people in the audience, which was helpful. And I really just focused on, you know, the, the moderator and the other panelists. And it was super helpful that there were other panelists. Um, that was really nice because it, it didn't put all the pressure on me to be talking the whole time, but it, it ended up being a super fun experience. I was really proud of myself for getting through that because public speaking really scares me. It's something that I've wanted to get more into and that I'm very open to being more into, but I've never done it on that level. So that was one of those moments. And it kind of takes me back to the beginning of starting my business and that feeling of this is so terrifying, but I have to force myself to do it because it's it's good for me and it's going to help me grow. There's so many new moments like that as you grow in business. You kind of, I think that we look to people who have an established business and have gotten through a lot of fears and we're like, oh, you know, they they probably, nothing really scares them anymore. Like they've got this down, they're so confident, but there's so many new experiences and things that you start getting exposed to as your business grows that is are still terrifying to you and you still have to overcome those feelings of imposter syndrome. And for me, my, um, my tactic for that is really just kind of going in and making my mind as blank as possible and being like, you're doing this. Like you have no other option. You're doing it. And the fact that it terrifies you and scares you proves that you need to do this in order to grow. So that was my outlook on that. Um, After that, it was really fun. They actually invited me to Kajabi headquarters, which I definitely want to go back out to, but we are had already had other plans, so I wasn't able to make it, but I would love to go visit there. I think that's really cool um, that they even invited me. And yeah, we just kind of went around. Like I said, we went to Malibu Beach. We ate at some fun restaurants. It was just more of a chill vacation and we weren't there for that long. Um, and then... My husband wanted to go see an Iron Maiden cover band, so we did that, (laughs) which is not necessarily my scene, but it's his scene, so I support him. But yeah, overall, it was a really fun trip, and it was cool. That was my first time in California, so it was nice to kind of visit. And then immediately after that, it was literally, I think the that trip was on like the 30th, or I think I spoke on the 29th, and then that following weekend on like the 4th through the 8th was our team retreat in Palm Springs, California. Um, 
the whole team went also my photographer jackie and makeup artist vera we were all out there in this amazing airbnb if you the purpose of that trip was obviously to like meet everyone in person um, i'd already met some of the team in person but to actually fully meet everyone and to hang out and chill um, i rented an airbnb with a pool and it was a, this big property out in the desert a bunch of rooms it was really really cool there's like a they say that Frank Sinatra either like used to own it or stayed in that house a lot or something like that I couldn't find like full clarity on it but yeah um but anyways the also the purpose of that trip was to do two photo shoots so we were shooting for the digital state of mind merch collection um we have a bunch of pieces in that collection and they're all uh, targeted towards you know online entrepreneurs uh, digital entrepreneurs and there was a lot of planning that went into the design of those and the pieces and it took a lot of people to bring that to life so we were shooting all day for the pieces for that, for that. And then the next day after that, I had a brand shoot with Jackie. So I hadn't had one just for me in like a year. And so that was when we refreshed the pictures and all of the pictures that you see on my Instagram recently are from that shoot. And it was really, really fun. Those days are exhausting to be honest, a lot of times you're starting at like eight o'clock in the morning and you're going until like eight o'clock at night. On the, sh the day that we were shooting the merch collection, I think we were shooting until like nine or 10 p.m. And it's just very physically exhausting. This sounds so like first world problems, but I feel like I have a new admiration for people or like a newfound respect for people who are like modeling or photographers or are in that industry because I never realized until I started my business and was doing brand shoots how physically ex exhausting it is to be in front of the camera. Um, also behind the camera, I mean, God, the positions that Jackie has to get into for some of these shots she gets is hilarious, but um to be in front of the camera, you have to just be on mentally and physically for hours and hours and hours at a time. And, you know, posing like a lot of the poses that you get into, it's really weird because something that I've learned, you know, working with Jackie and doing multiple photo shoots is that a lot of the poses that you're doing for pictures feel really unnatural and sometimes are like painful to hold or to get into. And you feel like, oh, this is going to look weird in the actual picture, but it doesn't. It looks really good. So you're holding a lot of weird positions and having to make sure that your face looks alert and that you're like, you know, interacting with the camera and it's just very chaotic. And so, yeah, I have a newfound respect for that. So that was exhausting. Um, we also had a day to just relax. We had a day where one of the co-coaches in DCA did, um, what's it called? hypnosis on us yeah can't remember the full term but that was really like guided hypnosis that was really cool I fell asleep and everyone was like you're snoring um but it was so calming that I fell asleep but that was awesome and then we also had a chef come out and make dinner for everyone she made like a vegan dinner and 
that was also really cool. We went around the table telling all the everyone at the table what we appreciated about them and everyone was bawling. I was just a mess the entire time. But overall, that was a really amazing, tiring, eventful trip as well. So then in August... Uh, next trip, I went to North Carolina to visit my family. My um, uncle, my dad's brother, unfortunately passed away. And this was kind of expected. He's had cancer for a really, really long time. Um, but I was never super close with him, but my it was my dad's twin. So it was really, really hard on my dad. And my dad is the type of person that's like, no, don't worry. I know you're busy. You don't have to come. Um, so I went up and surprised him for that. And I'm so glad that I did because it meant so much to him that I was there. And I just felt like it was really important for me to be there for him during that time. And I also was able to, I stayed with my brother. Uh, my brother is 20 years older than me, which is hilarious um but yeah I stayed with my brother and my brother has three kids and I actually lived with them from like 15 to almost 20 years old and so his kids feel like my siblings because we are closer in age my oldest nephew is 18 now so they feel like my siblings and it was really fun to spend time with them so I stayed there for almost a full week and just spent time like as much time as I could with my family so that was that was a really really nice trip um, and then after that in September me and Jordan went to Austin Texas this was for an Iron Maiden concert like the actual band Iron Maiden not a cover band um, and that was Jordan was dying to go to that so I was like okay let's go um, I, we, neither of us had ever been to Texas and we've heard a lot about like the comedy scene there and that the food's really good. So we went for a long weekend. I think we were there for like four days and that's where we went to the Kill Tony comedy show. And, um, the day of the concert of the Iron Maiden concert, I actually just wasn't feeling that great. So he went by himself, which he's always fine with doing. He just is in the zone at concerts and, I'm actually glad that I didn't because it seemed like it was a very intense and a ton of people, lots of headbanging. And I was like, you know what? This was this was probably nice that I was just relaxing and chilling by myself at the Airbnb. So that was a really fun trip. And then we get to October. <laughs> And in October, we ended up selling our old house and buying the house that we're in currently. I'll talk more about that, but that's the big thing that happened in October. And then this, I'm recording this on December 1st, but in November, Jordan and I had our one-year anniversary, which I can't believe it's already been a year. That's really not that long, but it just feels like it has completely flown by. And so much has happened in the last year that I'm not surprised that it feels that way. Um, but that was that was really fun. On that same day of our anniversary, one of our best friends was actually having a baby shower. So we spent the day at that party and then we are going to celebrate our anniversary this month and we're going to take a trip. I think we're going to go to Asheville and do some sound healing, go to a winery, probably go to a spa <laughs> and go to the Biltmore. I'm sure it'll be so pretty this time of year. So that's our plan for our anniversary. But okay, I'm going to bring it back to talking about selling and buying a house. So if you've been following me for a while, you've kind of seen the journey with 
the house situations with me and I'm actually going to dedicate an entire episode to like the process of buying a house, renting apartments as a business owner. Um, I've bought some land. I've had experience both buying and selling houses and buying and selling land and then renting apartments. I've had a lot of experience with that. So I'm, I made it, I'm going to record an entire episode dedicated to that. And I had a question box on Instagram that some of you asked really good questions in. So I'll be covering those as well. So keep an eye out for that episode as well. But in October of 2021, I bought a house and this was a three bedroom house. It was fairly small. It's from, it was from 1940. So it even though it wasn't tiny, the layout of it was very interesting. There was really no storage space like at all. And a lot of things about it were just very rickety, as you can expect in a house from 1940. I love old houses. I love the character that they have. But this house just wasn't really like the character that I was looking for. Um, it did have a really big backyard, which is great for dogs. And it was a fenced in backyard. So that was really convenient. Um, but, you know, my experience with my realtor buying that house was a pretty rough experience, honestly, and I didn't really realize it until after the fact. And there were definitely some things that weren't fully disclosed to me, which always just sucks a lot. And I'll talk about realtors as well in my house or in my episode dedicated to real estate and buying houses, all that jazz. But you know, uh, as before we even moved into it, I did a lot of renovations to it. We painted pretty much everything. I put in new floors. Well, I didn't put them on. I had someone put in new floors. Um, changed the cabinet colors in the kitchen. Changed the kitchen island. Um, put up like wallpaper in one of the rooms. Did a lot of decorating had to have some stuff fixed with the AC. And then throughout the time living there, there just seemed to be things that continued to pop up about the house. I had to get all of the sod in the backyard replaced and an irrigation system installed, which was like $15,000. And originally, whenever we moved into this house, it was kind of like a, okay, let's stay here for like two to three years maybe, and then we'll, you know, upgrade and, and move into another house. But over time, I just felt myself just itching to be out of the house. And I started feeling that in around like the summer of this year, um, especially dealing with things like AC, had to get the AC fixed multiple times. And, you know, the backyard, even though we had the sod fixed there, it just, it never felt quite right. And I don't even know how to explain it properly, but it just, it just never felt quite right. And it felt like no matter what decorating I did, no matter what updates I did, it still just was never what I wanted. And I, it started to feel like I was just wasting a lot of money. Um, the ceilings were really low. The ceilings also weren't traditional ceilings. They were like plywood ceilings, which was really weird and, and had it added a very odd look to the house. But in order to fix that, we would have had to replace all of the ceilings, which would be ridiculous. Um, it was very dark in the house. It didn't get good natural light whatsoever because of the way that it was not facing 
the way that the sun rises and sets. And then also it had a porch overhang, which really blocked a lot of the light as well. So I just started to find myself very, very unhappy in that house. And it got to the point where I was like, I sat down with Jordan. I was like, I can't remember what was happening, but it was just some big, you know, um, update or some other big thing we were going to have to pay for. And I was like, do you want to just sell? Like I'm at the point where I just want to sell this house and buy a new house. And he was like, oh, I thought we were going to like stay in here for a while. And I was like, yeah, but (laughs) listed all of the reasons. And we eventually just came to the conclusion like, yeah, we might as well just get the show on the road and find a house that we know that we're going to be in for you know, a really long time. And during this process, I was kind of considering building at the same time. But because I have a lot of land, I had two lots of land. I sold one and I'll talk about that in the other episode. But um, we were considering building, but it just started to become a very overwhelming process to me. And it's also a very long process. You know, we probably would have been looking at at least 18 months of building, if not more. And I was just like, I'm a very impatient person and that doesn't mean that I'll never build, but I wanted to be in a house that I was happy being in while the building process was happening, not a house where I was just dying to get out of it and had to wait for the building process. Because in that situation, you rush things, you you know don't make the best use of your budget, you don't make always the best choices aesthetically, etc. So... We started looking and we looked at so many houses. Oh my God. It felt like we were just constantly looking at houses and it was starting to kind of feel hopeless a little bit. Um, We actually put in an offer on a house that we loved. It had a pool. It was just, we just absolutely loved it. And we lost out to an all cash offer, even though our offer was higher, which was very annoying. Um... So that was really disappointing. Lots of tears, lots of sadness. You probably saw me. I talked about that a little bit on my Instagram story, but that was a really sad day for us <laughs> because that that waiting game of putting in an offer and then wondering if you're going to get it or not, it's just the worst. Um, so after that, you know, we kept looking at houses and in our area, there's a lot of gated communities and there's also a lot of communities that have really extreme HOAs. HOAs are homeowner associations, if any of you aren't familiar with it, and it's basically what the neighborhood dictates that you can and can't do in your neighborhood, and it's also the the amount of money that you're paying to pay for upkeep and to make use of the amenities and resources and all of that stuff. So one neighborhood or one community that we really loved looking at, um, there were some awesome houses that we viewed in there and we actually also put in an offer in a house in that community and I was very sad again when we didn't get that house but in hindsight I'm so happy that we didn't because you weren't allowed to put up a fence in your backyard which is so silly to me Um, but yeah we wouldn't have been able to put a fence in for Teddy which he needs and So I'm really glad that we didn't get that house in hindsight, but it was frustrating because there were a lot of communities where we were like, okay, this house would be awesome, but that community is either the HOA is super expensive or the HOA has rules that would conflict with things like having dogs or, you know, whatever it is, or is super close to the water. We couldn't potentially build a pool in the future, or if we had kids, then it may be unsafe to be that close to the water if we can't put up a fence, etc. 
So we were looking and looking and looking, and I had a serious aversion to being in a neighborhood where a lot of the houses looked similar. Um, I really loved neighborhoods and communities where the houses looked very different and it was more eclectic, but I eventually ended up, you know, finding the house that we ended up buying. I found it on Zillow and from the pictures, it looked really, really cute. It was the perfect size. Um, the house that we're in now is three bedrooms with an office, so it's technically four bedrooms. It has a large fenced-in backyard. It has a garage. It has a loft upstairs. There's a guest room. Like We, we just have plenty of room and plenty of storage, huge walk-in closets, which was really convenient when we were coming from a 1940s house that had literally no closet space at all. Um... And so I found it and I was like, you know what, do you want to just go look at this? Because something else that I was running into was that a lot of the houses in those more eclectic communities that I really loved were very expensive, like oftentimes over a million dollars. And while I could afford that, it eventually, I was, you know, talking to my sister-in-law who is like, my words of wisdom in many moments. Um, and, you know, she's always been great with budgeting and, you know, they have three kids and they live in a smaller house and it's always been perfectly fine even when, you know, me and Jordan go to stay or whatever. And I was talking to her and it kind of gave me like that reality check of like, I don't need that. I don't need a house that's a million dollars. Also, this market is just absolutely ridiculous and people kind of take <laughs> take you for all that you've got money-wise. Um, but we were like, we don't need that. And it's really not that big of a deal to live in a community where some of the houses look similar. Like, who cares at the end of the day? You're going to be inside the house most of the time, not outside looking at other people's houses. Um, and as we kind of went to look at this house with our realtor, this house was definitely under budget of the other houses that we were looking for, which is great. This house, I mean, still at the same time, it was, it was very pricey. It was in the upper 700s and but it's also over double the size of our other house and this is a house that we want to be in for a really long time we want to have kids in this house and you know we can entertain in this house we can have my dad come stay we can have my whole family come stay with us and it just works so well for the life that we live and also I need a lot of space in our house because of the fact that I work from home and create so much content and Another facet of this was that I had wanted to start to get into um, more content creation casually, like lifestyle, home, decor, interior design, stuff like that, and potentially make that another source of income, which I also have a podcast episode about that um, coming up this season, not out yet, <laughs> but um I had also wanted to potentially make that a source of income and so I was kind of thinking about it in that way as well as like, well, eventually that could kind of add add to our income. So we went to look at this house and we immediately were just like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Like so much natural light, high ceilings, the perfect amount of rooms, the perfect office space, the perfect loft space upstairs for if, you know, I'm working downstairs and Jordan wants to go watch TV upstairs or, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, and yeah, it, it was just it was just perfect for us. And uh, so we ended up putting an offer in 
um, I think it was that night or the next day. And we had a pretty aggressive offer. You know, we went a little bit above asking. We dropped a lot of contingencies because we were like, we've learned our lesson. We don't want to miss out on this. And a realtor called us back within like an hour and he was like, well, you've got a new house. And conveniently at the same time, it was literally like a day before that, we had gotten an offer on our old house. So it was just completely perfect. You know, our closing did get delayed a little bit, which was a bit frustrating, but we had a very fast closing on both properties. It was around like 30 to 35 day close. So, and also the person that was buying our old house allowed us to stay for like an extra 30 days so that we could move into this house, do some renovations. Um, Since we've moved into this new house, we have done a lot, a lot of changes in a very short amount of time. Um, We have, you know, completely changed the flooring almost completely throughout the house. Um, We have painted most of the first floor. We've added wainscoting to the walls on a lot of the rooms. We tore out some of the trim in the ma- the main bedroom and uh, added wains- new wainscoting in there, um, painted the ceilings in some of the rooms. We have just upgraded a lot in here and made it really exactly what we were wanting. I mean, it's nowhere close to where it's going to be <laughs> because I've kind of taken a pause on it. I was getting a little bit overwhelmed with having to make so many design decisions in a short amount of time, but I've learned to not rush that process. I am a super impatient person and I take a lot, I'm, I have a lot of joy in, you know, making the space that I live in beautiful and exactly what I want and inspiring to me. So I've, I've started to take my time with it, even though I am very impatient because being intentional about it helps me avoid buying things that I'm, or doing, making design decisions that I'm, you know, a month later, I'm like, eh, I don't like that, which I already did that with the dining room. I'm already ready to repaint it and change things up in there, but it's fine for now. Um, but yeah, I mean, we love this house. We really love the community. Every... You know, all of our neighbors are super nice. We, I've already met so many of the neighbors and it's just super friendly. It's the type of neighborhood where everyone waves at each other and gives you their phone number. My neighbor's dog comes over and plays and we really do utilize all of the space in the house. Um, We obviously utilize the dining room, kitchen and living room. And then the main bedroom is our main bedroom, but the main bathroom and closet, I solely use me and Jordan don't like to share bathrooms and we don't like to share closets we both really enjoy having our own space for that so I use that bathroom and closet and then Jordan uses the guest bedroom bathroom and closet for himself and then occasionally he will you know sleep in that room if he has to get up super early for basketball or something like that um which i think a lot of people feel like is a really weird concept but we love it like we obviously sleep together most nights but if he has to get up at like 5 a.m or something like that to go play basketball or you know has to get up super early for work or whatever it is it's just so nice for him to just be in that room get up super early do his thing in the bathroom not wake me up and just to have our own space has been really really nice and I think that you know a lot of couples thrive off of that we definitely do so 
Um, and then obviously my office is also downstairs. Upstairs we have a small loft area, which we've turned into kind of like a media room. Um, and then we also have another guest bedroom and bathroom and closet, which our guests use. My dad used that upstairs area whenever he came and stayed. And it was really nice for him to kind of have his own like wing of the house because my dad goes to bed at like 8 p.m. So, <laughs> um, and then the backyard has obviously been really great. We also have a screened in porch and it's just perfect for us right now. And I'm really, really excited because I definitely can see this house. This house could easily fit, you know, three kids, four kids if it needed to. And I think that we'll be here for a really long time and I'm super excited to see kind of how things evolve design wise and just how our family changes in this house. And speaking of family, that kind of leads into something else that I wanted to talk about. I've already talked about this with some of you in the DMs and I've talked with some people on my team about this, obviously, and um, some of you have asked me on Instagram about Bo because you haven't really seen him as much. So we obviously have had Teddy, our golden retriever, for a really long time. And then earlier this year, we got another golden retriever named Bo. He was an English golden retriever. And, you know, I don't even, this is a really hard topic to talk about because it honestly, I, I feel like I have a lot of like shame around this topic. And I think that a lot of that shame comes from the fact, well, I'll get into it. But, you know, Bo was very, very different from Teddy. <laughs> I have had, you know, puppies my entire life and I've trained dogs my entire life. And I, you know, got Teddy and Teddy is like basically the definition of a perfect dog. Um, he was very easy to train. I mean, not very easy. He was obviously difficult when he was a puppy, but he was very typical of a puppy to train and he has been basically an angel ever since he was like eight, no, like six months old probably and was very easy to house train. You know, he's not a chewer. He doesn't, he's just a great dog in general. And so, you know, earlier this year we decided to get another puppy whenever Teddy was around a year old and I think that we kind of underestimated how much work that would be. I knew it would be a lot of work and it was obviously very, very difficult. Bo was a very different dog than Teddy. He was very, very difficult to train. And so it eventually started getting to the point where I would say it started happening in the summer where, and obviously he was still very young and it's very different with two dogs versus one. I think I also kind of underestimated how different that is to have two dogs versus one. It kind of started to get to the point where I was feeling very, very, very overwhelmed with the two of them and specifically with Bo. Um, you know, Bo was really sweet, but he was a very, like I said, difficult dog to train. He we actually hired a trainer for him. So we tried a lot of different resources for this because I'm not the type of person to just do something or get an animal and then just be like, never mind. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. It's, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that, you know, in my childhood, my mom got a lot of animals and then it would 
rehome them very quickly. And it was very traumatic for me because I would get connected to these animals and then they would just be gone. Um, and so I feel a lot of like shame around that. And I think I had a lot of kind of opinions about it beforehand. Um, and obviously it's just a very like difficult situation in general. But anyways, it got to the point where I was having almost like breakdowns every single day with the situation of having both of them and trying to train Bo. My husband works, you know, during the day and is gone and I work from home. So I was home with them all the time and it was getting to the point where I literally could not work because, you know, he would be biting me or he would be using the bathroom in the house even if I had already taken him out a million times or he would you know be um, crying and barking if I, he was crate trained so but he would be crying and barking if he was in his crate if I just needed to put him in there for like an hour to get something done and it was getting to the point where I literally could not work and I was also getting to the point where I was really frustrated because he would he was getting to the point where he would bite so much. He would bite me like in the face and it wasn't an aggressive bite by any means, but he, that's just, you know, how he was. He was a very mouthy dog and, um, he would also eat poop all the time in the yard, <laughs> which was very disgusting. Um, but it just, you know, he ate, he would eat anything in the house that he could get his mouth on. He, like, I would, you know, turn around for, two minutes and he would eat have eaten like gibbets from crocs like the things you stick onto the top of crocs and i would have to take him like an emergency visit to the vet or he would eat something he would eat rocks outside you know i watched him like a hawk but i would turn my back for a second he would be eating rocks and then again i would have to take him to the vet or he would get really sick and then that was like a whole day ordeal and him and teddy definitely i it was whenever they were by themselves, it was a very different story, but I think their energy together, it was very, um, very rough housing. And Teddy kind of also started to get to the point where he was getting a little bit aggressive with Bo because of how Bo was. And I'm sure Teddy also kind of felt a protectiveness over his space and over me and with the biting and everything. It was just a lot. And I would have days where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't do it. And, you know, I would talk to my husband and we would be like, okay, it's just, we're just going to stick it out. You know, he just needs to get a little bit older. And, um, you know, it got to the point where he was around nine months old and, you know, we got him neutered. We talked to the vet and they were like, you know, with his behavioral issues, it's probably a good idea to go ahead and get him neutered now as opposed to waiting till he is like, you know, a year old, which is pretty standard. So we went ahead and did that and uh, nothing really changed. Um, and, you know, that was really difficult because I was starting to kind of have these thoughts in my head of like, you know, what about with kids in the future? You know, like if he bites me in the face, how is that going to be with a child? Or am I going to be able to trust that? Or how many times do we work with a trainer? Like I even considered, you know, having him go to like a, a place where they train them at the actual facility, but it's like thousands of dollars. And I was also nervous to, you know, have him go to a place like that, not fully knowing the person. That was also a scary concept to me. 
So this was something that I mulled over for a very, very, very long time because I did love Bo, but I also had a very hard time connecting to Bo and to a very hard time, you know, because of the fact that he was biting, because of the fact that there were so many behavioral issues, because of the fact that I could tell Teddy was getting stressed out about it. It was also at the same time, even though I loved him, very hard to feel connected to him. And it started to get to the point where it was like, is this just not the right fit for him and for us? Because I didn't want it to be a situation where, you know, I didn't have, he was a dog that needed so much training. And I think, I don't know what it is. I don't, I've, I've heard from some people who are trainers and who are super familiar with dogs that I was under the impression that English golden retrievers were calmer than your typical American golden retriever. But um, from the like dog experts and trainers that I talked to, they were like, no, it's actually the opposite. And especially if you have two, you know, boys together, it's going to be even worse. And they need a lot more extensive training than you would anticipate them needing. And I'm the type of person who I would never get, you know, a German Shepherd or a Belgian Malinois or something like that because of the fact that they need training that with my schedule, I just likely wouldn't be able to give them and it wouldn't be fair to them. So it started to get to the point where I was like, you know, is the fact that I don't have enough time to train him and the fact that, you know, he's biting me. So I'm getting frustrated and I'm kind of having this like pent up anxiety in myself. And I'm sure he's feeding off of that energy and it's making him even more anxious and, you know, like lashing out. Is this just not the best environment for him? Does he maybe need to be in a house where it's an older dog or that's kind of can calm him or maybe he's the only dog and it's with someone who has way more time to be able to spend with him and who has a completely different schedule than I have. So, you know, I talked about this over and over with my friends and with my husband and with, you know, my team. And I was just so conflicted because I felt immense guilt. I think because, like I said, with the way my childhood was, I have this kind of stigma around rehoming an animal. And I also kind of felt like I was failing. And I was also really afraid of the judgment that I would get from that if I did decide to rehome him. And also on top of that, I was terrified of the rehoming process. There are, you know, I would never have just taken him to an adoption facility or something like that ever. That was never an option for me. And at the same time, I didn't really know any close friends or family that would be able to take him. So, you know, I ended up talking to someone who I had known along for for years that was just kind of an acquaintance and, you know, we had a conversation and she was like she's has so many dogs. She trains dogs, she trained trains dog in tr- dogs in house. She does dog sitting, she does all kinds of stuff and I've known her for so long. I really trust her and she's like just amazing with animals and you know, I had a long conversation with her and she was like, you know what? Sometimes it's just not the right fit. And the best thing that you can do in that situation is kind of realize that, realize what's best for the animal. Is it, you know, keeping him because I feel, you know, bad and I feel guilty and I want to keep him? Or is the best situation finding him an amazing home that has the time and ability to actually give him what he needs so that he's way happier? 
and so that, you know, Teddy's happier and so that I'm happier in the long run because Bo is happier. So we had that conversation and, you know, she also was talking about English retrievers and their behavior and kind of, um, their energy levels, the amount of training that they need. And she was also talking about the fact that because (laughs) Teddy was also a boy, they were probably really amping up each other's energy and causing one another to kind of act out in different ways. And so that eventually led me to, you know, starting to kind of interview people to possibly just trial run, like see how it went with them having Bo. I throughout this process, I was having, one night I had the most severe panic attack I've ever had in my life. It was like over an hour long. I felt like I blacked out because it was so bad Um, because it was just so difficult. It was so, I felt so bad. And I, like I said, I loved him and I wanted it to work and I couldn't help but think about, you know, well, what if in a month it would be different? What if in six months it would be different? What if, what if, what if? So, you know, I interviewed one family and met up with them and it was immediately I knew it was not the right fit. So that went on and I was like, you know what, this is not going to be a situation where I'm going to just let anyone have him. It's going to be a situation where I will keep Bo as long as I need to until I'm 100% sure that I have found the right fit for him, the right family. So by happenstance, I ended up, you know, meeting another couple right out. It was just like a day or two after this this first couple that I met. And I was like, at this point, I was still kind of wishy-washy. And I was like, you know what? I really just loved the way that they kind of initially messaged me and, and the way that they were talking and the kind of setup that they're, they had. They were an older couple, not older, but they were in like their 50s and he owned his own business. So his schedule was very, very flexible because he was close to retiring and she worked very part time right near their neighborhood. So she was home all the time. They were, you know, they lived right on a golf course. They lived in a neighborhood where they met up with their friends and their other dogs all the time. They went to the beach every morning. They went on runs all the time. They, does anybody hear Teddy snoring in the background? <laughs> um, they, he's like, stop talking about Bo. Um, they just had a very, very active lifestyle and so much more time freedom because of where they were in life. And in addition to that, they had an older dog who had cancer, had tumors all over his body. And I was like, you know what? I'll just go meet them and we will just see how it goes. Couldn't hurt to just meet them. Um, I met up, sorry, this song or this story is very long, but I met up with them and it was, as soon as I got there, I was like, oh my God. It was just, you can tell in your gut. And I was like, this is absolutely perfect. Like they immediately, the way that they took to Bo and the way that he took to them and the way that he interacted with their older dog, they got along immediately. And Bo's energy was so different just right out of the gate. Being in their house, being around the older dog, it was just such a different vibe for lack of a better word and 
I could just immediately tell that they had amazing intentions. You know, I got references from their vet and really went, was as extensive as possible as I could be. Um, And, you know, they were telling me about their lifestyle and it just was such a perfect fit. So I ended up leaving with Bo that day and I was like, you know, I'll let you know. And they kept messaging me. They were like, oh my God, we want Bo so bad. It was, this is like, you know, he's so perfect and he would be a perfect addition to the family. And um, so I messaged them the next day and I was like, hey, do you, you know, want to possibly have Bo stay the night with you? And, you know, spend the day, see how it goes, see how he gets along with the dog for the day, see how, you know, he does with you guys. And they were like, oh my God, yes. So we ended up meeting him, the the husband, and <laughs> whenever we kind of gave Bo over for him, even though it wasn't a permanent thing at that moment, me and Jordan were both just bawling our eyes out. It was so sad. I just was, my heart was just literally hurting. And even though that was the case, it still felt like this is a really, really hard thing to do, but it's also probably the best thing possible for Bo if this works out well over the weekend. That weekend, they were sending us pictures. They, <laughs> in one day, they went to the beach with him. They came back, had a bath. They were outside on the patio, you know, drinking coffee while he ran around. They had taken him to the tennis courts and come back. They were planning on going out in a couple of hours and taking him on the golf cart to go meet up with their other friends that had dogs to let them play. They were going to go to this outdoor restaurant later. Like, they were able to give him more fulfillment and time and attention in one day because of their schedules and because of their lifestyle than I would have been able to give him, than we would have been able to give him in, you know, multiple days. So it was, long story short, not really because I still went long story with that. Um, Long story short, you know, he is still with that family and we are still in touch with them. We talk to them pretty much every week and we're probably going to plan a meetup soon so that he can meet up with Teddy and play with him. And, you know, this was one of the harder decisions that I've had to make in a really long time. And it was so tough and it was hard to talk about. I felt very embarrassed. I felt a lot of shame around it. I felt like I had failed. I felt like, like I said, like people were going to judge me. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I was also talking to some people on the team about this and they were like, yeah, I mean, that this is like sometimes the hard decision and the decision that doesn't feel good is the right decision. And I think that there's probably a lot of other people who have been in this position who have felt those same feelings and felt like they failed. And so I even though this is hard to talk about. I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because I'm sure there are others, you know, listening who have been in that situation, who have had to make that really difficult decision. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's just very, very hard. And we've had some time now, you know, it's been, it's been a little bit since we kind of got fully moved into the new house. Um, We haven't had him in the new house because we, you know, that happened right before. And after this time, like I, I realize 
thankfully that it was 100% the right decision. You know, I'm able to give so much more attention to Teddy now. I know that Bo gets so much so much attention. They stay in contact with us. They send us pictures. They are totally down to meet up with us whenever we, you know, want to let him and Teddy play. And it feels so nice knowing that like we found a family that is the perfect fit for him and that following my gut in that moment and going with the really hard decision was the best thing that I could have done. That always is a good feeling whenever you know that. And I know that he's so happy. You know, we went and visited him um, a little while after we initially had them do like the trial weekend. And they also have a cat that they take for walks, which is really funny. She's more like a dog, it seems. And to see Bo with the cat and them just totally chill, to see him with, you know, the older dog and kind of giving the older dog like some life back in him and just to see how happy he was, it was just the best feeling. And, you know, I was talking to my dad about this before I had really made the decision because I was just flip-flopping. I was a complete basket case. I was so emotional that I was like, I can't, I don't, I don't even know if I can make this decision. Um, and my dad was like, you know, this is what's best for him. And this is also kind of giving him a purpose, like giving him a purpose of, you know, helping fulfill this dog's life in his last days. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. Helping him, you know, having him helping this older dog kind of have like some more energy and that young playfulness in his last days and then also helping this couple as they kind of anticipate okay our older dog is going to pass away like that's such an amazing purpose for him to have and such a bond that they're going to have with him that is so strong that it makes me makes me happy happy sad <laughs> um so yes that's what happened with Bo it was a lot and it was really emotional and I didn't want to talk about it on Instagram for a while because I was still feeling so emotional about it and wanted to really be able to you know explain the full story so that's what's going on with that but yes <laughs> you're all like we hate you now <laughs> Okay, so I think that that's all of the major life updates. I did want to just give a couple of business updates. So something else that is exciting is that DCA 9.0 started since the last podcast or since the last season of the podcast. And I can't believe this is the ninth round. We're over two years into DCA first being born at this point, which blows my mind. Um, but when you're listening to this, um, DCA 9.0 will be close to wrapping up. We're in our final weeks right now as we speak, and I'm so proud of the students. And, you know, this round has just felt so connected, and it's such a, everyone is so connected. Everyone is so open. Every, I can see people just growing and growing and pushing themselves out of their comfort zone and starting to get clients. And, it's just such an amazing experience to watch. So if you have been on the fence about joining DCA, our 10.0 round starts on January 23rd, I believe it is. We already have multiple people signed up. And as of basically last week, I decided that we were going to put a cap on how many people could join this round because I 
have felt called to make it a more intimate personal experience so that I can really, you know, connect with the students as much as possible and help them get the results that they're wanting, get booked out, get clients, quit their nine to five as quickly as possible. And I, I, want to be as involved as I can so I am going to limit the spots that are available in this round and like I said we already have multiple people signed up so if you've been on the fence about it this program has helped so many people start their business and you know learn a to z everything about the online space and there's so much resources so many resources now at this point in dca because we've just added on to it every single round there's so many bonus trainings that you learn about basically every single platform you could possibly be using or service you could be offering to your clients and you have one-on-one access to me you can message me in slack monday through friday we have multiple calls every week i bring in guest experts to talk about things like marketing sales mindset, confidence, branding, working with clients, um, systems, just everything that you could think of, everything that you would need. And it's, it's an amazing program. I'm really proud of it. It's basically my second child after Teddy. Actually, DCA came before Teddy. So DCA is my first child. Teddy is my second. <laughs> but yeah, we're enrolling for 10.0. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. I already have some ideas in mind of some new things that I'm going to implement in 10.0 because the goal is really to keep refining the course and keep helping people get results quicker and quicker. And I have some ideas for how that's going to happen in 10.0. So if you want to join that, link is in my bio on Instagram and it will be in the show notes on this episode. One last thing that I want to talk about, um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday was a hit. I ran a 50% off sale on my guides um, and that was, I was mind blown how many people jumped on that. We also had a huge sale on our Fluent University courses. Fluent University is a business that I started with my first one-on-one student ever, Sydney Kerr, who has grown her business massively over the last couple of years. And we teamed up to create a business that teaches you all about Pinterest marketing, blogging, email marketing. And we are, we have many more courses that will come too, but so many people jumped on the bundle as well. The They are still available to purchase throughout the month of January. You can basically kind of combine any of the courses together that you want and get them at an incredible price. Um, just in January, the Black Friday discount code obviously is not applicable. Um, does anyone else get massive overwhelm during Black Friday and Cyber Monday? I bought nothing during Black Friday. And then on Cyber Monday, I was a little bit, I was feeling a little bit calmer because I was like, okay, <laughs> this is, this is a little more manageable for me. Um, but I feel like there's so many things I want to buy. And then when Black Friday and Cyber Monday hits, I'm like, oh God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to buy. So I end up buying nothing. Um, and then yesterday, Cyber Monday, I jumped on two deals. I bought some stuff from Victoria's Secret and I got, um, new sheets and a duvet cover from Sijo Home, S-I-J-O. This is not sponsored, but I wish it was. Um, their sheets are so amazing, like the com- most comfortable sheets that I've ever slept on. I had their eucalyptus ones on our old bed in, or our bed in the old house, which is now in 
our guest bedroom because we got a king bed for our bedroom in this house and they're just like unbelievably soft and wash super well and they're very like uh, temperature regulated which is nice because I tend to get really hot at night um so this time for the new bed I bought linen sheets like French linen sheets or something like that um and I'm excited. I don't know. Linen doesn't sound like a very comfortable thing to sleep on for me. Like in my head, I've always had that it would be scratchy, but I, th- I don't think that will be the case at all because there was like 800 five-star reviews and people were talking about how soft they are. And they're also supposed to be more like cooling or the most type of most cooling type of sheets. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes, but yeah, didn't buy anything else for Cyber Monday. I don't think it's just very overwhelming and I hate that feeling of like oh god I have this amount of time to purchase something and if not then it's going to go away um so we have some some fun things planned for you know for December um because we wanted to have some things kind of roll out that we're not during the Black Friday Cyber Monday hype of everything when people are feeling really overwhelmed so yeah keep an eye out for that but I think that's it I think that's all I got for you this I feel like this is gonna be a really long episode I record in GarageBand so I can't actually see how many um minutes I'm at I can just see that there's 2020 bars which I don't know what that means (laughs) um yeah thanks for tuning in i'm really excited for this season of the podcast i've said that probably 10 times already but it's gonna be super fun make sure you you know if you have any thoughts of things you want me to cover make sure you head over to instagram and dm me like i said this is a way more interactive involved season so i'm really taking note of what people want to hear about and incorporating that so have an amazing week And I will talk to you in the next episode. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hawks, and I am so happy to have you here. Follow along with us on Instagram at the Digital State of Mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show. I know everyone says this, but we're serious, okay? (laughs) Talk to you next time.